The Springboks have won the Rugby World Cup three times, but which one was the best? In this video, you'll get a front row seat to a comparison between 1995 and 2019. I'll analyze the players, opposition, matches, difficulty and pre-tournament expectations as we try to discover which one was the best. I'll also pick a combined Springbok Rugby World Cup 15 made up of the 1995 and 2019 players at the end of the video. Let's get started. Okay, let's start with the pre-tournament expectations. In 2019, the All Blacks were again the pre-tournament favourites. They had won 15 of their last 19 test matches and were again dominating the sport in between World Cups. Wales had won the Six Nations that year and were on an even hotter streak of 15 wins out of 18. Ireland had a similar record. They had won 17 out of 21 tests before the World Cup and were the Six Nations champions the year before. England were the form team for the first 18 months or so after the last World Cup, but Eddie Jones's team had lost some momentum. They had won only 12 of their last 21, but could not be discounted. As for the Springboks, they could probably be seen as a dark horse at best with 11 wins out of 19. Which doesn't sound great, but coach Russi Rasmus was building momentum. The team had just won the Rugby Championship before the Rugby World Cup started. On a side note, I personally thought that the box were going to win that tournament. I remember telling my wife before the tournament began, and she laughed at me. The box had a tough pull with defending champions New Zealand for company. Namibia were there as well, as was Italy, a team that had actually beaten the Springboks as recently as 2016, it must be remembered, and Canada. From there, they would probably go on to get Ireland in the quarterfinals, followed by a semi-final meeting against England, or maybe Wales. My thinking at the time was that we would lose to the All Blacks in the pool game, and then eventually go on and meet them in the final, where we would be the victors. How about 1995? Well, South Africa weren't the outright favourites for that tournament either. I think Australia and England held that title. The world champion Wallabies hadn't lost a test match for more than a year and were on a nine-match winning streak going into the tournament. England were the Five Nations champions. They had also won the Grand Slam in 95 and were victorious in 11 of their last 13 test matches. The Springboks were probably as likely as France and New Zealand to win the 1995 Rugby World Cup. The French had won 8 of their last 13, while quite incredibly, the All Blacks had won 3 of their previous 7. The Box had won 6 from 10. South Africa's toughest task was that they would have to take on the Wallabies in the opening match of the tournament. Defeat would almost certainly mean a quarter-final meeting against the Five Nations champions England, and if they could get through that quarter-final, they would almost certainly take on the All Blacks in the semi-finals. Not easy. Truthfully, a quarter-final was a certainty for the box, given that Romania and Canada were the other two teams in the pool. But there were no guarantees beyond that. I'm not sure we could say either team had a particularly easier draw. In 2019, the Springboks had the defending champions All Blacks, who were in red-hot form in their pool, and in 1995, the box had the defending champion Wallabies in their pool, who were also in extremely impressive form. In 2019, you could say that Canada and Namibia were relative pushovers, but then don't forget that the Italians had beaten the box just a few years earlier, so we had to be wary. 
as for the class of 1995, Canada were a team that we could not underestimate. They had reached the quarterfinals in 1991, but having said that, you'd still fancy the Springboks to beat the Canadians. Romania were the other team in the pool, and we did win that match, although it was done in ugly fashion, I think it's fair to say. So if you held a gun to my head and forced me to pick which pool was more difficult for the Springboks, I would go with the 2019 version only because Italy were in that pool and the Italians had beaten the Springboks just a few years prior. That would be the only determining factor. The 2019 box started their campaign by losing to the All Blacks and it was a little bit of a tough one on the box. They made two mistakes in three minutes and the All Blacks pounced. George Bridge and Scott Barrett both going over for tries and that pretty much sealed the result, even though Peter Steph Dutoy would score a try for the box later in the test match. It is worth pointing out that no team had ever won the Rugby World Cup after having lost a pool stage game. After that, the South Africans took care of business. The Springboks ran in nine tries to thrash Namibia 57-3, a match notable for Skull Brits captaining the side from eighth man. Then came the crunch game against Italy. And I know I've been hyping it up in this video so far, but you cannot underestimate the Azzurri. But in just the third minute, tight head prop Simone Ferrari left the field injured. Disaster for Italy when only 15 minutes later, the replacement tight head prop Marco Riccioni also left the field injured. And so with no additional tight head prop to be found, that meant uncontested scrums. The score was 10-3 to the South Africans at that stage. And with us leading 17-3 and in control two minutes into the second half, their loose head prop, Andrea Lovotti, was red carded. Game over. We won 49-3. The pool stage was rounded off with a comprehensive 66-7 win over Canada. The match was also notable for one of my favourite commentary pieces at that tournament, and probably ever. Dallin Stanford described Kurbis Reinach, a man who scored a hat-trick in that match, as being more dangerous than climate change. Mission accomplished, and we were on our way to the quarterfinals. Now, the 1995 box started off in nervous fashion against the world champion Wallabies in their opening game at Newlands in Cape Town. However, it is fair to say that after the first 20 minutes or so, the box did begin to settle, and eventually Peter Hendricks scored that beautiful try where he rounded the great David Campisi to put us in the lead, and we would never look back after that. Confidence was restored, and the box tails were up, and we won that match 27-18. We then laboured to a 21-8 win over Romania when coach Kitsch Christie made several changes. Adrian Richter was the captain for that match. Richter scored two tries and he would again be at 8th man against Canada when he would again score two tries as the Springboks won 20-0. But that test match was notable for something else. Firstly, the lights went out before kickoff, so there was a delay before the match could even begin. But you and I both know I'm not talking about the floodlight failure. James Dalton was sent off for getting involved in an all-out brawl in the second half. Peter Hendricks was later cited, and both of those players would miss the rest of the Rugby World Cup. The replacements, Narka Drotsky and Chester Williams. Do you really know your rugby? Do you always get your predictions right? Why not make some money then? Open an account right now with Tic Tac Bets and get up to 2,000 Rand and 20 spins with your first deposit. The link is appearing on your screen and I'll also put it in the description area. 
please note that this is an affiliate link and I will make a little commission on it. Winners know when to stop. National Responsible Gambling Program. Toll free helpline 0800-006-008. No persons under the age of 18 years are permitted to gamble. Now the 2019 Springboks would come up against Japan in the quarterfinals. Now just before you say, ah, that's not too difficult, there are a few things that need to be pointed out. The Japanese were on home soil and taking full advantage of being at home for their World Cup in 2019. They defeated Ireland for the first time, they beat Scotland for the first time, and they won their pool for the first time, and they did so playing enterprising, entertaining rugby. It's also worth noting that Japan had beaten the Springboks at the 2015 World Cup. A humiliation for the box, but a wonderful, wonderful moment for the Japanese. But the South Africans were not going to allow history to repeat itself. Makazole Mapimpi scored a very early try, and it meant that we led 5-3 at halftime. Now don't be fooled by that score, because even though the box weren't scoring points, they were putting serious pressure on the Japanese pack. They were pushing them backwards. Not a position the Japanese liked or were used to in the tournament up till that point. And the physical pressure eventually took its toll, and the mental pressure that came with that meant that the Japanese eventually would break and the Springboks completed a 26-3 win. Wales would be waiting in the semi-finals. Elsewhere, New Zealand swept past Ireland and England easily beat Australia in the other quarterfinals. In the 1995 quarterfinals, it was notable for the return of Chester Williams. Now remember, Chester was only there because Peter Hendricks had been suspended, but this was very significant from a political and social standpoint. Before the tournament, Chester was actually our first choice left wing. That's important. But Chester was also part of the marketing and promotion campaign. His face was on billboards all over the country. And yet, when the tournament began, Chester's face was nowhere to be seen on the field. He was also the only non-white player, and given South Africa's history and the significance of where we were politically at the time, it really would have been a boost to have him in our ranks. Sure enough, come quarterfinal time, that's exactly where he was, and he celebrated by scoring four tries against Western Samoa. By the way, that was a Springbok record at the time for an individual try scorer in a match. 42-14, and the Springboks advanced to the semi-finals where they would take on France. In the other quarters, the French beat Ireland. England sealed a great win over Australia with a late extra-time drop goal from Rob Andrew, and New Zealand ran riot against Scotland. The All Blacks were looking unstoppable at that stage, it is worth noting. Ordinarily, South Africa would start a test match against Wales as the favourites. But wait! Wales were the reigning Six Nations champions. They had also beaten the Springboks in each of the last four meetings between the two sides. The Welsh had also won their pool, and don't forget South Africa had lost a match in the pool stage. Well, in what can only be described as a bloody-minded performance, South Africa outlasted the Welsh and won 1916. It was not pretty, but ultimately the Springboks prevailed. In contrast, the day before, England produced one of the great displays in their rugby history by beating New Zealand 19-7. Don't think that that scoreline indicates that it might have been a close contest. England overpowered the All Blacks in that match, and it could easily have been 29-7, and it would not have been a scoreline that looked out of place. The English would start the Rugby World Cup final against South Africa as the favourites. 
As for the 1995 Springboks, well, that semi-final in Durban will be remembered for the atrocious weather conditions. Guys, it's worth pointing out that Durban is a city that typically gets summer rains. But on this winter's afternoon, it was as if monsoon season was at its peak. Referee Derek Bevan actually seriously considered calling the match off. The pitch was waterlogged, and if you watch the match, or if you go back and watch some of the highlights, probably here on YouTube actually, you'll see that it looked as if there were lakes on that pitch. Now, despite concerns over player safety, the match did actually go ahead. Thankfully, from a Springbok point of view, because if it had been called off, France would have advanced to the final on the strength of them having a superior disciplinary record. Remember James Dalton and Peter Hendricks? France didn't have a Dalton or a Hendricks in their ranks, so to speak. We pulled off the win 1915 in dreadful conditions. And yes, I know that there was controversy over a French try. If you watch the match back, it really does look as if they crossed the try line. I will say this though. Abdelatif Benazi did actually admit in an interview after the World Cup that the ball was short of the line. That's good enough for me. Also, SAFU president Louis Late actually presented referee Derek Bevan with a gold watch after the tournament. But to his credit, Bevan refused the watch. Next up would be New Zealand, who blew England away in their semi-final 45-29 with the monstrous Jonah Lomu helping himself to four tries, one of which saw him literally run over Mike Cat. The 2019 Springboks entered the final as underdogs. There can be no doubt about it. They reached the final playing steady yet unspectacular rugby and forced themselves over the line in the semi-final. That doesn't mean that they don't deserve it, don't misunderstand me. But England had had a great tournament up until that point. And it really did seem as if Eddie Jones would at long last win the tournament as a head coach. But perhaps the problem was that the English had played their final against New Zealand. It's also possible that they were believing their own press. Because as it turns out, in a Rugby World Cup final, no one turns up and beats the Springboks. In just the third minute, Kyle Sinclair suffered an injury and had to leave the field. Dan Cole came on as his replacement, and we won a scrum penalty immediately when Tendai the Beast Mtawarira mercilessly scrummed Cole into the ground. It was at that moment, guys, that I knew we were going to win. The box did everything right and made very few mistakes. We were better in every department. Scrums, lineouts, rucks, mauls, everything. The works. And when the English did have an opportunity to attack and unleashed themselves upon us, round about the 30th minute, there was no way through. There was this green brick wall that they simply could not penetrate. For a two minute period, they at one stage actually went through 26 phases. They threw everything at us. They were on our try line, but they just could not get through. I believe that that was a morale booster for us and possibly soul destroying for them. And then in the second half, Makazole Mapimpi scored South Africa's first Rugby World Cup final try. A beautiful moment followed shortly after by Cheslin Colby scoring a second. Who can forget the way Cheslin slalomed his way past Owen Farrell and a couple of other English defenders? And of course, my favorite line of commentary from that match, courtesy of Sean Maloney, Cheslin Colby, Cheslin Colby, South Africa, the World Cup is theirs.
What made the triumph all the more special was that it was largely unexpected. Hardly anyone gave the box a chance going into the tournament and even going into that final. For each of our most difficult matches at that World Cup, New Zealand, Wales and England, we were seen as the underdogs. And it is worth pointing out that for the quarterfinal against Japan, the entire world was willing the Japanese on against us. It was a special victory and yes, I cried when we won. Now going into the 1995 Rugby World Cup final, New Zealand were the favourites. South Africa were not out and out underdogs, but the Kiwis were the favourites. They had that monster of a man on the left wing in Jonah Lomu, who had steamrolled his way over almost every other opponent. And all the talk in the build-up to the final was, how were we going to stop Lomu? Their attack was pretty impressive anyway, but our defence was really, really good. And so the story of the final really would have been an irresistible force meeting an immovable object. And the truth is that in the final itself, guys, South Africa were comfortable. We looked good, and I've watched it back many times actually, and I don't think we ever looked like losing that match. The All Blacks broke through a first-time tackle maybe twice, and that was in the first 20 minutes or so. For the rest of the match, South Africa were in control. The only problem is that the scoreline remained tight. Yes, we scored a try, and Ed Morrison ruled it out. That was courtesy of Ruben Creer, and that meant it was 9-9 at full time. It is worth noting that without extra time, there's no Joel Stransky famous iconic drop goal to win it for us 15-12. And you kind of need that, don't you? Speaking of iconic moments, who can forget President Nelson Mandela coming out before the match to shake hands with the players wearing Francois Pinot's number six Springbok jersey? And then when Madiba handed the trophy over to Francois, who can forget that moment? Francois lifting the Webb Ellis Cup into the air and Nelson Mandela throwing both arms into the air, punching the air in celebration. What a moment. And yes, guys, I cried. So what was the big difference between these two World Cup victories? We would have to say that neither team entered the tournament as the pre-tournament favourites. The draws were of similar difficulty. Both sides faced the defending champion in the pool stage. And both sides did what was needed in the remainder of the pool games. The 2019 side probably had a more difficult quarter-final when you factor in the peak that Japan had reached at that stage. And of course, the fact that the whole world was willing them on to beat us. Both teams had difficult semi-finals for different reasons. France were one of the top teams at that 1995 Rugby World Cup. And don't forget the dreadful conditions that had to be overcome in that match as well. Whereas for the 2019 box, well, you think of Wales, they'd beaten the box four times in a row and they were the Six Nations champions, having won a Grand Slam that year to boot. As for the finals, it was an unexpected triumph. Yes, we all believed going in that we could win that final, but I don't think many of us were confident that we absolutely 100% would win those finals. 1995 will always be special because it was our first and you factor in the political and social significance of the occasion as well. But similarly, in 2019, the country was at quite a low point, politically speaking. Captain Sio Colisi referenced this in his post-match interview when he said that, yeah, our country has its challenges, but if we all work together, we can overcome them all. I cried when we won the World Cup in 95, and I cried again when we won it in 2019. And so while the circumstances are quite different between 95 and 2019, 
I've got to tell you guys, honestly, I cannot separate the two. For me, the one is not more special than the other, and I'm going to have to call this one as a draw. My heart calls it a draw, and my head simply cannot separate the two. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? You can click on my Patreon link, I'll put it on the screen as well as in the description box, and there will be great benefits for members. Okay, so let's pick a combined 1995 and 2019 Rugby World Cup Springbok 15. Just so you guys know, when it comes to the criteria, this is a Springbok team made up exclusively of players who played in the 95 and 2019 World Cup. So I don't want you to come here and ask me why Dani Gerber isn't in the side, okay? Don't come with that stuff. Let's start in the number one jersey position. Oh my word, have I given myself a tough assignment. How on earth do you choose between Osturant and Tendai the Beast from Tawarira? What a difficult choice. Guys, this is what I'm going to do. We are going to choose a 15, but also a bench, aka a bomb squad. And so this is what I'm going to do. Because of what the Beast did in the opening three or four minutes against England in their 2019 final, I want him as my starter. Osturant will be on the bench as part of the bomb squad. He will come on in the second half and with all his experience, he will help the team on their way to victory. Hooker, Bongium Banambi will start and Malcolm Marks will be on the bomb squad. This is exactly the way it was done in the 2019 final in Yokohama. France Malherbe will be my starting tight head prop. Now it's difficult to choose between Vincent Koch and Bali Swart, but I think Bali is probably more of a fan favorite, a little bit more charismatic than Vincent. That's not to take away from the incredible power that Koch possesses, but I'm gonna put Bali Swart on my bench as part of the bomb squad. The locks are really difficult to pick too. You got Kurbis Visser and Hannes Stradom in 95. We got Irben Etzebet and Luit de Jager in 2019 and guys just so you know I'm not considering Mark Andrews as a lock in this instance because even though he started in the lock position in the 1995 Rugby World Cup he didn't play in the semi or the final there he was actually at eighth man so my decision is to go with Eben Etzebet and Luit de Jager as my locks. Okay guys this is possibly the moment where you haul out your pitchforks and put very very angry comments in the comment section but I am not picking Francois Pinar in the number six jersey I'm going with Sia Colisi there's also Ruben Kruger and Mark Andrews at seven and eight and the comparison is with Peter Steff de Toy and with Dwayne Vermeulen and as I say guys I know some of you are not going to like this but I'm picking Peter Steff de Toy the world player of the year in 2019 it must be said and Dwayne Vermeulen. I'm going to have Ruben Kreer on my bench as part of the bomb squad. I'd also like to just make it very clear that just because I haven't picked Francois Pinar, that doesn't mean that I don't think he was a wonderful captain. He was an excellent leader, a very inspiring figure. Okay, keep your weapons close by because the scrum half position is between Joost van der Westezen and Faf de Klerk. Now, it has to be Joost, right? I love Faf but I'm picking Joost van der Westezen. Fly half, it's either Joel Stransky or Andre Pollard. How do you leave out a man who scored 22 points in the final? Because that's exactly what Andre Pollard did. But then how do you leave out a man who scored 22 points in the opening win over the Wallabies and scored all 15 points in the final, including that iconic drop goal? That's Joel Stransky. 
And you know what guys, I'm going to do this. For me, as great as Andre Pollard was in the final, I just think that in the other matches in the tournament, he was just a little bit inconsistent. Just a little bit. And I think Joel Stransky was flawless throughout the 1995 tournament, and therefore Stransky wears the number 10 jersey. Now you'll remember that I picked a combination at lock with Eben and Luert. I'm going to do the same thing in the centers. Damien Dialende and Lucanio Am will wear 12 and 13. That's not to say that I don't think highly of Henny LaRue or Yarpi Mulder. I think Yarpi was a magnificent outside center. I just think Lucanio, in terms of the World Cup, was just a little bit better. And then if you compare Damien and Henny, it's almost impossible to compare them because they played such different roles. Henny was almost more of a second fly half. Damien Dialende is more of a wrecking ball of an inside center. Typically a first receiver who would try and take the ball forward and try and gain yardage for you or gain meters. That's not really something that Henny would do. And you know, this team is probably playing in the modern era and that's why I'm going with Damien. Plus, Damien and Lucanio are a combination, and I've picked Lucanio ahead of Yarpi. So, as I say, come at me with your pitchforks, but that's the combination I'm picking. You might be even more angry when I tell you what I'm doing on the wings. You've got Chester on the one wing, and you've got James Small on the other side. James Small, he was my favorite player in those days. Okay, let me just make that very clear. I loved James Small. I still love James Small. James did a magnificent job on Jonah Lomu in the 1995 final. But James didn't actually score a try in the 1995 tournament. Chester Williams scored those four beautiful tries against Western Samoa. And everyone loves Chester too. But I just think because of the little bit of history that they made by scoring tries in the actual final, our first tries in Rugby World Cup finals, I'm going to pick Makazole Mapimpi and Cheslin Colby on the wing. Now, how do we choose a fullback? There's Vili Leroux from 2019, and we got Andre Hubert in 1995, the Rolls-Royce. And my choice is the Rolls-Royce. Let's take a quick look at my bench again. Osterunt, Malcolm Marks, and Barley Swart, as already mentioned. Kurbus Visser, Hannes Stradom, and Ruben Kreer. That's the bomb squad. And remember, we're going with a 6-2 split, and the two backline players will be Faf de Klerk and Francois Stein a man who also won two Rugby World Cups. And Sia Colisi will captain the side. I have no doubt that you either strongly agree or disagree with this selection that I've made. Let me know in the comment section what you think. See you next time.